Welcome back to New Rockstars. Thanos did nothing wrong, but is every supervillain actually a super victim? According to supervillains, yup. This is the big question, the podcast that gives you too much information about how good the world could be if we just listened to some of our supervillains. A conversation that should in no way be applied to the real world. I'm Eric Voss. <laughs> Here with me is Joven. Hey, buddy. That's right. I'm, I'm uh, taking a small break from uh, Rogue Theory to hop on over here. So the King of Theories is about to become, you know, the self-proclaimed informative villain of uh, New Rockstars. That's right. I've got the bad guy stash bringing you the bad guy perspective. <laughs> You've gone from the King of Theories to the Duke of Knowledge. What will you say? <laughs> And you are the mayor of titles. That was good. I, yeah, yeah, I live in a democratic society. You're still in the feudal system. Um, but what is our big question exactly, Joven? Uh, our big question today is looking at which villains might have actually had the right train of thought and maybe weren't as wrong as the good guys depicted them. Yes, yes. So who was actually right? And we should say at the beginning that uh, all well-written villains do have a philosophy that's grounded in reason that we're able to at least a little bit empathize with. They aren't just like crazy. You know, there's like uh, John Doe in Seven. He had uh, that whole rant about how society, the virtue of society is crumbling. And you almost agree with him until you remember... Oh my God, this monster, Kevin Spacey, did horrible, horrible things, and we shouldn't listen to anything. If there said. was only a cake in the box saying, Congratulations, you caught me, that villain might have not been that bad of a guy. But there was something else in that box. What's in the box? The and I think that is the key to all great screenwriting. You know, when we're watching movies, they, they want to try to make us feel that fleeting, devilish, what if the villain is right? But then followed swiftly by moral outrage over someone actually acting on those dark impulses. So that's we're, we're going to be dancing with the devil tonight, as Nancy Grace would say. The devil is dancing tonight. But of uh, the villains we're looking at, I don't think we're going to be looking at any whose motives are ethnic superiority. Um, sorry, not sorry, Red Skull or Voldemort. Yeah, no, uh, side. You can't really have Red Skull on the list. Uh, Nazis just don't normally turn out to Never be right. good guys. They Never right. Any, uh, comic arc or real life. And uh, that includes you, Starbellied Sneetches. We're not interested in your victimhood. All right, uh, let's start at the top of this list. The one everyone talks about who did nothing wrong, our man Thanos. Uh, his motive was, um, according to him, to save all of life across the universe from overconsumption of resources, overpopulation by erasing 50% of everyone. Uh, and then when that failed in, in Endgame, when they undid that, he came up with a new plan basically to just tear the universe to shreds and start fresh. And, and mm. with Thanos, I think the biggest argument to kind of show that he was right is in the MCU, you've got Thanos as the big bad. Uh, the opposite side of that spectrum is, you know, the big good, which is arguably Captain America. And when Captain America, in his time of trying to find the silver lining in Endgame, kind of realizes, you know, like he's he's out there and he sees whales coming up to the shore for the first uh -huh. time. And Natasha's like, are you saying she, he was right? And he argues it. But, you know, you can kind of hear it in his voice that, He's seen the positive of Thanos' actions. Right. Again, yeah. Thanos wasn't like, I want to destroy half of the population because they aren't as good as me. He right. was saying, hey, there's not enough resources for the way all of you guys live. And yeah. in 2020, we can't look at that and be like, 
yeah, no, we aren't doing this the right way at all. Then, you know, <laughs> maybe you're on the wrong side of this. So Agreed, when, yeah. When Captain America, the good guy of it all, can actually see the silver lining of what Thanos did, I think right there, that's the little shake of him trying to, like, lift Mjolnir, where it's like, all right. No, maybe Captain America's on to something here. Yeah, um, agreed. And Tony Stark would probably argue that too. I mean, Morgan Stark is a good example of why Thanos might have been right because from any tragedy we can move on. And as you said, Joven, he was fair in his selection. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't have any kind of agenda to to who he selected. It was really just like a coin flip. Um, and yeah, let's be honest, overpopulation, depletion of natural resources, that's a real thing uh, that we do have to worry about. Um, and as we saw in Endgame, the Avengers were essentially doing the same thing he was doing it's basically a battle between who gets to play god and again afterwards he doesn't go and sit on a throne of the galaxy to rule everyone he's like nope i'm gonna go be a farmer yeah hey that's he sounds good to me (laughs) this disabled (laughs) farmer who can't use his left hand or right hand whichever it was (laughs) is just there and all of a sudden boom goes the dynamite and there's just superheroes in his living room yes and then they cut off his head Fatality. Not fair. Well, we should acknowledge why he was wrong. And I think the the one thing that everyone's kind of pointing out since Infinity War came out is that wouldn't necessarily work because people could just quickly repopulate the universe. Why wouldn't he just create more planets if you can do anything? And I and I think one thing we have to keep in mind is Thanos' whole mission started when uh, his homeworld, Titan, suffered this environmental disaster. Uh, but he applied that logic to every planet. And we've seen evidence in the MCU that not every planet is headed down in this downward spiral of ruin. Look at a planet like Xandar, 12 billion people on that planet, three suns scorching it, but for whatever reason, they figured out their carbon emissions. No one seems to be starving on that planet, but Thanos believes that every planet is headed in that direction. I don't know if that's necessarily true. If anything, this isn't a mark against Thanos. I think it's a mark against, you know, blanket solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not one solution will, yes, be perfect for everything, but sometimes you just have to find a balanced solution that yeah. will actually affect the greater good overall. And I think that's what Thanos was going for. Yeah, Uh, and let's move on to our next villain who had a similar motive, Ultron. I love that very few people talked about this, like this whole idea of trying to accomplish peace through genocide. Ultron's kind of the same mission. He wanted peace on Earth by dropping Sokovia on Earth like a meteor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and with Ultron, it kind of just brings back like, you know, the early 1900s, like dilemma of like technology where it's like, Mm -hmm. once you start to look at technology and you give it too much power, you know, maybe there's not as much for humankind. And, you know, as we progressed, it's all since the 90s, it's always been like the same bleak thing where like, oh, if AI takes over, they're going to realize they don't need us. Right, right. And that's that's essentially what Ultron was. He's very similar to Agent Smith in The Matrix. Uh, Agent Smith, who I believe had a far more compelling and, and iconic monologue about this, the idea of humanity being a virus or a disease on the planet. And that's probably how AIs like The, uh, like the Matrix, like yeah. you know Ultron, would view us. We are not binary creatures. We are not uh, black or white. We are shades of gray, and uh, a robot can't necessarily see that. But right. that being said, I'm pretty sure my Roomba's out to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put your feet on the ground. Mm -mm. 
not while it's going clipping ankles um why ultron is wrong well uh you know robots suck and uh i think we can all agree that mass genocide whatever the reason is never justified (laughs) if you have to take lives to save lives i don't care how many it was it's not okay to for that to be your plan also going back to captain america being like the the big good he sees like you know yeah one is too many one is too many, just, yeah. And uh, I hate to credit Vision, because you know my thoughts on Vision, but he did put it best in that amazing final dialogue at the end of Age of Ultron. Humans are odd. They think order and chaos are somehow opposites and try to control what won't be. But there is grace in their failings. I think you missed that. But I, I think we'll see in the MCU going forward. I, my hope, Joven, is that we are still in the Age of Ultron. I was bummed that he, that villain was vanquished by the end of that film. It, I would love so if quick. he's proven right yeah. over time. Uh, you know, fans of the game uh, Marvel's Avengers might have seen some uh, some little hints that maybe we don't have him in the MCU, but might be popping up in the video game world. So we'll, yeah. we'll get some uh, Ultron love somewhere. For sure. Now let's swing over to the DC world, the ultimate DC film villain, the Joker from the Dark Knight. And yes, there have been many great Jokers over the years, uh, but I would say Nicholson's Joker and yeah, Jared Leto's Joker are probably more in the outright crazy category. And Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, while very compelling, is really more of a victim of abuse, a failing healthcare system. Yeah, they're small time. Like like they're really just looking at Gotham as as a whole here. Whereas Heath Ledger's Joker was like, no, let's look at society. Gotham's just an example. Yeah, so his motive was to spread anarchy throughout Gotham City by taking down the elite. So that includes the cops, political leaders, the crime gangs, media, and of course, Batman. Joker himself states his message as, it's not about the money, it's about the message, everything burns. And with the Joker, it's more of kind of going back to a primitive state of instinct. Like, what drives a human being? Let that go and be what makes you happy. Let that be what runs society. Because when you do have any form of organization that is led by humans, it's just going to get turned into greed. It's going to get turned into corruption. Yeah. And, you know, people wearing their masks, essentially. Yeah. As they say, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that was the Joker's core mission statement. And what I love about the character in this movie is the events of the movie in a way kind of prove him right you know Batman does violate civil liberties Harvey Dent does go corrupt eventually in a dark way do kind of prove Joker's point so that Batman does kind of have to become the Dark Knight aside from the White Knight in a way you could say Joker kind of wins that philosophical argument despite losing it in other ways and it's interesting because Batman is there to protect Gotham but the only ones that actually go ahead and prove themselves against the Joker in the situation is the boat full of criminals yeah exactly the ordinary people in some ways even the criminals of society the people who have made mistakes the flawed people it made such an interesting statement about that binary thing which a lot of times batman stories just view criminals as like evil or dark or messed up people who we lock away forever what i loved about the fairy sequence in the dark knight is it showed that like criminal people have the same kind of mixed perspective of morality that ordinary non-criminals do mm-hmm. and that doesn't make them people that we just lock away and forget about forever so yes Batman man can become the bad guy when he needs to and yes two-face takes the uh crep path that he goes down but at the end of the day you know maybe gotham can actually fight for themselves and i think that's the ultimate victory for batman the loss for joker in the film as he pointed out he does lose that side of the argument which you can see that 
little moment that Heath Ledger does in that movie where he sees that the boats have not exploded mm -hmm. and he, there's a little bit of panic. The first time he looks yep. worried in it's that the movie. It's one part of his plan that didn't go according it's to plan. It's such a brilliant, subtle moment that I love. And I think one thing that uh, many people have talked about with the Joker, he's also a hypocrite, which I think he's aware of this fact, but he claims to have no plan. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Yet he does more planning than anyone. <laughs> like that's the joke. That's the joke. You know, he says he has no plans of dog chasing cars. Not at all. He schemes. He's rehearsing shit in the background. So you could argue that is part of his statement, his criticism of society, that even the criminals, in order to pull these things off, are schemers who overthink things and use people. And I do want to mention that because I feel like someone in the comments will try to make the comparison that we are looking at just one of these jokers. If you right. were to look at all the jokers as a whole, Sure, more of them probably just pull way too on one side of just being a bad guy for the sake of being bad. Whereas like another DC villain like Lex Luthor in most iterations kind of is fighting, yes, for himself at times, but also to be like, hey, this is a problem here. How do you not see the problem here? So right. uh, I, I think that the entire DC pool really does as well as the MCU when it comes to having these diverse villains that, that yeah. you know, maybe they aren't completely wrong. And uh, speaking of another villain from the pages of DC Comics, Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt from, from mm -hmm. Watchmen, a fascinating philosophical villain who many argue was in the right in his mission. So his motive was to prevent nuclear annihilation by uniting America and the USSR against a perceived external threat. Spoiler warning, but at this point, you should know what happens <laughs> here. a few decades. Yeah, a fake giant squid teleports into the middle of New York City, presumably from another dimension, but the whole thing is a hoax, but it works. You see it in the last few pages there when the argument with those characters happens where it's like, no, you can't do this. There has to be another way. And mm -hmm. yes, even a Captain America who's saying that like one is too many of a loss. We don't trade lives, Vision. That's normally just the argument. There is no solution after the argument. So like, even if he was having that conversation with Ozymandias, he'd be like, all right, cool. All right, it's not the solution. Then what is? Checkmate. And uh, if you look at someone like Ozymandias, his noble lie sacrifices far fewer people. Three million people died with that squid attack. Way less than the people Thanos killed, which would have been something Way like less. six trillion or something like that. that. Just on Earth alone. Or yeah, yeah, on Earth alone for Ultron, it would have been what? Seven billion, eight billion. So like three million, you could imagine, uh, you know, just a drop in the bucket. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. What unites the world more than, you know, a, an intergalactic threat? For sure. And uh, and you got to imagine Alan Moore wrote Watchmen in the middle of the 80s when, you know, Reagan style of diplomacy basically escalated everyone's fears that we would actually have global nuclear annihilation. And that's why you see a lot of movies, War Games, the Terminator films came out from the 80s. All these movies suddenly, oh, we might actually all nuke each other. This is terrifying. The original Watchmen story was uh considered a solution to that. Like, are yeah. we gonna lose billions or are we gonna lose a couple million? And I think it's just a question that is just such a strong dilemma that I think people will be studying that, that is it left answer, right answer for yeah. know, ages. Now, if we're talking about why Ozymandias was wrong, the HBO Watchmen does a great job looking at all those unintended consequences years and years <sighs> so later. That so things like good. conspiracy theories, superstition, anxiety, racism, those are all things that are interesting because they're kind of like a pre World War concerns. Well, obviously not pre-World War. They're obvious. They're throughout history. Yeah. But like back in the pre-Enlightenment days, people had way more conspiracy theories and superstition and like fear of the other. And by like settling those nuclear things, those things come back to the forefront. It's the other things that really kind of like 
pop up. Like it just goes to yeah. show that there is no ultimate peace among mankind, right. no matter what. Yeah, 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 yeah. So speaking of uh, peace as uh, your objective, let's talk about our man, Steve Palpatine, Darth Sidious, the Ooh. Emperor from the Star Wars films. Very much a supervillain, a supervillain who just won't die. Who keeps <laughs> coming back. No matter how much he probably should, he keeps coming back. Why is it called the Skywalker Saga? At this point, it just became the Palpatine Saga at the end of the day. He was it more really the, <laughs> the star of that nonology. But a fascinating character to look at, though. Um, his motive was to, of course, consolidate power in the Galactic Senate by becoming the Senate. I am the Senate. And uh, turning it all into an empire that he would rule the galaxy as the emperor of that. There's villains that like Thanos, where you can definitely be like, all right, cool, yeah, you're on the right path here, I get it, I've been stuck in traffic. (laughs) Too many people. (laughs) But with the Palpatine, you start to find these villains that might have like a strong idea that maybe like 2% of them, you can be like, okay, I can see what started this, but mm-hmm. then it just becomes like the actions and inactions really that make the bad guy bad. And in yeah. this case, you know, we're just looking at maybe a monarchy isn't the worst way to rule a galaxy, possibly. Yeah. A monarchy, not bad. A dictatorship, yes. bad, you know. Uh, and, and then looking at using your empire for like slave trading and using those slaves to kind of like boost your power in the galaxy. That seems like, all right, cool. The things you're doing with it, that's bad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once we get rid of the, the galactic senate and it is more of like a monarchy, there's a lot more organization of the galaxy. It is order. The trains do run on time. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) The stormtroopers get to where they need to be. (laughs) I think the argument in favor of Palpatine is that the Old Republic obviously wasn't really that great for everyone. There were still a lot of victims of war, of various civil wars. There were Mandalorian wars. There was slavery. There was famine. The Senate was super corrupt. The Jedi Order was super problematic and culty. They were stealing children. Stealing children or pressure pressuring farmers, you know, pressuring farmers into (laughs) handing over their kids as infants in some cases. The Galactic Senate had a lot of problems. You know, Lucas wanted it to be kind of an analog for ancient Rome. It's like poetry, sort of, they rhyme. When it had gotten really corrupt and when uh, it became an empire as opposed to a republic. But it was not great for everyone. And the Sith did have, they were not the binarily uh, evil side that the Jedi had made. It was the Jedi Order's real problem was seeing things through those kind of, uh, yeah. that dualistic framework. And when you're looking at Palpatine as a, as a character study, I'd kind of maybe just focus on four or five and six. Because that's where you can kind of see some motive and, and sure. some black and white options versus, you know. Episode 9 is uh, maybe just a, a smorgasbord of a movie in the first place, but maybe his his actions afterwards, not too many people would agree with him. Yeah. Uh, but 4, 5, and 6, uh, I get it. 4, 5, and 6, I get it. And I'll say, rewatching the prequels, Ian McDiarmid is my favorite thing to see in, in those uh, yeah. uh, 1, 2, and 3. He's... Mm-hmm. He, like there's some writing problems in those movies but every scene he's in you can see just that little twinkle in his eye of how he he can see his destiny ahead of him and how he's just carefully working toward it like i obviously it wouldn't have worked because that's not what the story of star wars was but yeah. just as like a political cautionary tale uh, you know in another world i would have loved to see just a story that's centered all around this guy if you uh if, if anyone ever gets a chance uh, and i believe it is a canon story yeah. if you read the palpatine book which really 
focuses on the time leading up to episode one and then even a little bit of crossover you see him take darth maul as an apprentice you see what yeah. happens after darth maul gets sent to naboo um and and you just see his story and you know who he was looking up to at the time yeah. darth plagueis is not a canon story anymore but i believe it was the same author that did both and mm-hmm. there are some stuff from the plagueis story that gets brought into the palpatine book making those at least uh, those yeah. facts become canon yeah. but uh we got to say why palpatine is wrong because imperfect democracy despite how imperfect it is is better than fascism and i'm going to repeat that for all of our voters in a couple weeks imperfect democracy is better than fascism imperfect do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good imperfect is okay (laughs) ozymandias has showed us there is no perfect so yes Absolutely. And if you look at Palpatine, who was in some ways based on Hitler, the, you know, the empire is based on their space Nazis and like a lot of fascist dictators, Palpatine calls for things like peace, law and order. But really, those are insincere fronts for his own narcissism and his own selfish desires to cling to power. Um, And as you said, Joven, a a monarchy isn't the worst thing in the world. There was a lot of absolute monarchs throughout history who were very merciful and they uh, did a lot to advance their own nations domestically. Uh, monarchs like Elizabeth I, Louis the Fourteenth. They were not perfect people, but they did a lot uh, to do ultimate good for History, the son. world. Yeah, um, but Palpatine isn't interested in that. He really is an emperor, and he reinforces yeah. that with constant war. And that war makes the lives of ordinary people worse. So mm-hmm. that's that's ultimately how he should be judged. Um, all right, let's get back to the MCU. We have a couple more on our list. Talk about our man Killmonger from Black 100%. Panther. 100%. I think uh, when you look at Thanos is like the go-to answer, I think um, uh, even just look at social media, which is, you know, a social representation of, of, of humans on Twitter after the whole Thanos thing. So you had hashtag Thanos is right. And then you also had hashtag Killmonger is right. Yeah. Though he's definitely going back, uh, as I said earlier, an example of, yes, what you your argument is true. It is your mindset that is incorrect. What would society look like if Wakanda didn't just close itself up off from the world with that technology? Um, would we have the systemic racism that we have dealt with for hundreds of years now? Right. Probably not. Yeah, Uh, it's one thing to identify a problem. It's another to know what solution to apply to that problem. And uh, the reason, as you say, Killmonger resonated with so many people is that that whole idea of like redistributing like wealth and redistributing power to the oppressed people around the world to spark this revolution is an honorable, noble pursuit. The yeah. The problem is, is that putting guns in the hands of more people is never a good it's idea. Right more if, guns again, always makes things worse. With more death, you're going down yeah. the wrong path. And again, for Killmonger, where you really started to get a little, whether it was bad writing or just shades of gray of the character, it wasn't necessarily a motive in race because he yeah. was killing people that were also black and just because they were standing in his way. There was a little moment where uh, he said there were war dogs standing by in New York, London, and Hong Kong, and I assume those war dogs were military commanders who were gonna try to like go and rally troops for this global revolution. But like, I wish that they had just shown us one scene to show who those war dogs were. If they were like educators, community organizers, social workers, that would have been awesome to be like, oh yeah, war will be part of it, 
but really we're just organizing people to build a new society. Mm-hmm. That would have been a very different that conversation. Really good. You know, we look at the what if of of Marvel, like what if Wakanda didn't put up its walls against the rest of the world? Mm-hmm. The horrible past of England going to Africa and seeing these people there that were not as, they were more primitive. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were like, all right, we will use these people because they are not as high in society as us. By giving all the technology that Wakanda had, uh, maybe the story would have been literally flipped. Maybe yeah. people from Africa would have actually grown to be a stronger society and then moved out to the rest of the world to see these savages where it's like people in England's like, what are you doing? Still drinking tea and shooting muskets. What? No. <laughs> yeah. You're going to work for us now and for no pay. Yeah. One thing that was really great about the conclusion of Black Panther is that T'Challa grows and he learns. Like he... Mm-hmm. he gets mad at his own ancestors yeah. for denying and erasing that history. And he, he learned something from Killmonger in that we do have a responsibility to lift up everyone else. And that's the solution he pulls. He ends up pulling the right solution, which uh, the, the way we change the world Revolution is important and can be justified, but like the real revolution is working within the system to to change things, do more outreach and education. Yeah, and that's wonderfully what uh, T'Challa and Shuri do in that final scene. They're back in Oakland, and it's it's why that movie was just so important as a as a society and as to our culture as well. Like that's it wasn't a superhero. It was a superhero movie, but it had an impact that I think really spoke to a lot of people and a lot of races. Yeah, so I think Killmonger wasn't necessarily wrong. He was just wrong in his fix to the problem. But one character, one supervillain in the Marvel Universe that I think was absolutely right, just had a slightly incorrect approach to it, was Hela. Hela, of course, wanted to reclaim the Asgard throne that was hers to claim. If you're going to have a monarchy, you got to follow the rules. Follow if you're next rules. in line, you're next in line. Yep. And she was Odin's firstborn. That throne belonged to her. Odin banished her and erased her from history. Now, we don't know the full story there, only her side of the story. But it looks like she essentially showed the same bloodthirst that Thor was showing. Thor got banished to New Mexico. Right. Another! <laughs> she got banished to hell. You're all going to hell. Goodbye. So it's like uh, there was a double standard. Odin was and not. Which one's worse, really? <laughs> and I would say why she was most right is look at the the grand context of the Marvel universe at that moment. Asgard after Odin desperately needed a strong ruler to protect yeah. all the realms from the threat of Thanos. Thanos and because mm-hmm. Asgard was not there, you could argue that's what led to the Infinity War. Yeah, if um, if Hela was kind of like running the show there, maybe keeping whatever Infinity Stones at check, like would Thanos have been able to invade and take over? Yeah, it would have been tough. The, really, the problem with Hela is that she has zero diplomacy. Zero. Oh, shit. <laughs> like the moment she meets anyone, any of her subjects, she smugly attacks them if they don't immediately kneel. Three minus three is zero. <laughs> It's kind of got this Cersei energy to her. Uh, There's no evidence based on this that she would be a good queen for Asgard because a good monarch knows how to be diplomatic and knows when to swing the sword. Living by fear is not a great answer. In fairness to her, she was cruelly banished and that probably made her a bit vengeful. But if she could have just put that vengeance aside. Yeah, instead of, you know, banishing her away and working with her and communicating. But, you know, that's just the the leftist in me, I guess. No, it's a human in you. These things shouldn't be politicized. Cooperation should be bipartisan. Yes! Yes! 
ultimately the movie's themes kind of make Hela wrong because the ultimate theme of Ragnarok is everything has to come to an end and we have to learn to accept death and learn when to let go and to move on and you know Asgard's not a place it's a people and Hela stands directly in contradiction to those themes but in her own context I would argue that you know maybe she needed to project confidence had no reason to apologize Asgard needed a strong warrior queen needed a united loyal citizenry for the wars ahead but uh, unfortunately I don't know if that would have been effective because she just really sucks at winning hearts and minds and will Valkyrie really be the leader that new Asgard needs well Valkyrie learned from Hela's mistakes the way T'Challa learned from Killmonger's mistakes oh yeah oh yeah it's all coming together. So we'll see. For now, we want to move on to some people who helped us make this episode. First, our friends at Coors Light. These days, a lot of us are stuck indoors with the closest we get to an escape, cracking open a mountain cold refreshment of a Coors Light. The beer that is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. And everything that comes from Colorado is good, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a natural, wonderful thing. Coors Light wants to give you a way to take a break from the new reality of endless video chats in 2020. We're all living in this uh, world. Let's have a bit of a break from that. Say goodbye to your video chat background and hello to that new, beautiful travel destination in real life and actually chill. So here's one thing that they're offering. Five lucky winners will get trips to the beautiful destinations they've been dreaming about going to for months to enter for a chance to win. Visit CoorsLight.com slash outside during September and upload a screenshot of yourself in your ideal video chat background. The prize package is valid through June 2022, so winners can plan their trip for whenever they feel comfortable to go on it. Personally, I have really been wanting to go do like a month-long trip in Australia in New Zealand, uh, and that's something that like, I, we have some friends who are moving to Australia right now, um, but we, I, you know, we've always wanted to go visit that place. I want to go to Middle Earth. Uh, I want to go to Melbourne and Sydney. I want to go to the Outback. I want to gr- go to the Great Barrier Reef. But like, because Australia and New Zealand are, you know, much further along than we are, uh, we're not allowed to go into we're those countries. Allowed. But that would be my dream destination. Sometimes I'll use the uh, Sydney Opera House as the background of my uh, uh, of my Zoom calls. So this could be my chance if I winter to go there. I want to know where you want to go. Think about this. Enter this. Uh, you can enter a chance to win a trip to the beautiful destination of your choice at CoorsLight.com slash outside. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes begin on August 27, 2020. Ends on October 1st, 2020. Open only to legal residents of the 50 states and District of Columbia. 20 years of age or older. Travel must be to the destination indicated in the entry and must be completed by June 30th, 2022. For official rules, including how to enter prize details and restrictions, visit www.coorslight.com slash outside. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. We also want to thank our friends at Full Sail University for sponsoring this episode. Working in the film industry is an exciting and rewarding experience. If you know you want to be a part of it, but don't know where to begin, you really should check out Full Sail University, where you can learn all aspects of filmmaking and cinematography, either on campus or online. Uh, It's in Florida. That's where I'm from. I had a lot of friends who went to Full Sail University, and now that I'm in LA, I keep running into people who have amazing industry jobs in, in all aspects of the industry, who I find out, hey, you went to Full Sail too. There's something about 
about this place. So Full Sail's Film Bachelor's Degree program immerses you in the world of filmmaking from every angle. You'll gain hands-on experience while learning what it's like to work on a large-scale production from start to finish, giving you a feel for the role each crew member plays and allowing you to zoom in on the areas where your strengths and interests lay. Oh, and speaking of zoom in, the Digital Cinematography Online Bachelor's Degree program merges the artistic concepts of traditional filmmaking with the technical tools used in everything from documentary filmmaking to commercial production and web video, preparing you to be a jack of all trades in small crew productions, which that's how a lot of things are happening right now. The very small crews, it helps to know a lot of different aspects of production uh, when you're working on those things, when you're first getting started, especially. These degrees are offered in an accelerated format to get you into the field faster with hands-on projects, industry, experienced faculty, and professional equipment and sets. You'll be prepared to pursue your passion. Full Sail grads have gone on to work on things like Game of Thrones, Adventures Endgame, The Mandalorian, just to name a few. And yeah, that, that's very true. Uh, there's every show and the production I've worked on, there's probably someone from Full Sail or someone who knows someone from Full Sail. So it's a great networking uh, community to know as well. So if you want to find out more about these film programs and how to get started, visit fullsail.edu slash big question. That's fullsail.edu slash big question. And now we're going to move on to some little uh, bite-sized questions that Joven's going to answer for us. Ooh, Are you ready, man? I love answering questions. <laughs> All right. So first is our friend, that MCU guy on Discord who asked, in Titanic, could both Jack and Rose have fit on that door? I love talking about this one. Uh, yes. And I always like to go back to the Mythbusters episode. Where yeah, that's right. It's not the size of the door that mattered, but it was actually the boy. The motion of the ocean. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, yes, they, they could have fit on there. I, I do believe I remember seeing a drawing that James Cameron himself did when he got tired of the argument saying that, <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Look at this drawing. Look at this drawing. Look at this drawing. Look at this photograph. I think that maybe they could have done a little, uh, okay, I'm on it right now, and now you're on it, now I'm on it, now you're on it. Yeah, did the Mythbusters guys, like they, they rotated and they uh, used the life, preserver the life preserver and tied it underneath to give it extra buoyancy, and, which was smart. And, and yeah. I wonder if the, I'm sure they're also very accurate in, in their yeah. uh, findings, but if it was wide enough to make it around the door, because that is uh -huh. a large area to kind of cover. And if, uh, you know, their life preservers were as well made as, you know, uh, even ones made in the well, it looks like what they did is they took off some of the straps and they used that to, ah. they, they tried to sheep shank and, and they tied it around to make, to extend the length. Which is really hard to do when you've just gone through the traumatic experience of, you know, <laughs> losing a boat. I'm on a boat and it's going down, 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 down. And if you're not an engineer, if you're already freaking out, you know, those guys are practical. They so, would think of that. Because we're smart. I don't know if Jack and Rose would. And to answer your question easily, yes, they both could have fit, but then the boat would have sank and they both would have been in the water and frozen to death. Yeah, chances are both of them would have died. Uh, and hey, for the story, as James Cameron says in that Mythbusters episode, because he was a guest on it, and he looks so pissed when they're like, uh, <laughs> uh, they both could have fit. He's like, really? He's like so salty. But like, as he points out, hey, Jack needs to die in the story for it yeah. to be a, a good story. The dude's going down. Can't argue with that. No. Down, 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 down. Maybe Captain America wouldn't agree, but you know. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. All right. Also, our friend Ninja Chris eighty two on Twitter asks, "How did the Ninja Turtles get money for their pizza?" <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I think in today's age, there are so many different ways to make money where being in public isn't necessary. Um, have you met 2020? You okay? Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I like to live in a world where, you know, at, at night, three of the turtles are actually going out and scavenging the trash that's maybe in the sewers or just being put in dumpsters. And they're mm -hmm. bringing maybe old technology, bringing it back to Donnie. He's fixing it up. They're selling it on eBay for a profit. Yeah, sure. There's plenty of money to be made. Um, uh, it, there are examples through the comics and then the cartoons where, you know, they actually have found other ways to, to get work and, and to be able to uh, pay stuff on the side. Michelangelo as a uh, birthday party clown of sorts. <laughs> um, uh, Donatello we saw in a movie was doing tech support so there's, there's okay. money to be made don't look so go. far into it hey and you know everyone's money floats down to the sewer eventually yep that's how it works every time I get yeah. paid I just throw it right into the sewer and I'm like that's yeah. for the turtles yep yep uh, and they could hit up April you know yeah. Of, yeah she's a TV reporter she's making enough money for pizza yeah Alright, we are now going to move on to our mailbag question, a little segment we like to call pulling questions from the box scraps. And uh, Joven, our question this week is from Twitter user OmniWang, uh, who asks, have you ever had to mute yourself on camera because you had to fart? Which, m now that I read it, might refer to like Zoom calls, which is something uh. I've done. But we're gonna <laughs> rephrase it to this question. If you have a story about this, Joven, go uh, go ahead. Uh. But we're gonna ask, uh, what's the funniest reason you had to stop in the middle of a recording of any uh, kind? You know, to, to kind of merge both of those together into one answer, uh, very embarrassing. Uh, shoot, we, uh, it was with the old YouTube channel that I, that I was a part of. We actually had two guests from Germany. They, they were like the two top German YouTubers. And they okay. were uh, Gronk and Zalazar, and they were with us. And before shooting, we decided to take them to Gyukaku. They've never heard of it before. They've never done it before. You know, barbecue your own meat. So there I yeah, am, yeah, having yeah. a good time, drinking, eating some food. Um, maybe I didn't cook all of my food as thoroughly as I probably should have. And so afterwards, while filming with them in a very small enclosed <laughs> space with no ventilation, uh, no windows that opened, I thought, oh no, something's coming. I'll just let it sneak <laughs> out quietly. No, uh, it's never quiet. <laughs> oh, oh, well, this one was, I'm the master of the silence. Uh, but it, it had more of a lasting effect than I thought it would. And when oh. you watch this video, you can see my cast member kind of look at me. It's like, did you do that? Uh, we didn't cut the audio because uh, I'm just like, just let it go. Just, just keep moving on. Keep moving on. But it only Don't got worse. It. it only filled up the entire room. And it might have been oh, the worst no. smell that these guys have ever smelled in their life. Because even if we wanted to be professional and carry on, they had to be like, what? is that smell <laughs> and so we had to stop production to open doors take a little break outside of the room to let it all air out uh it oh. happens don't eat gyukaku before uh before filming with guests it's not hey, professional. that's the thing joven and i understand this but when you are shooting uh any kind of streaming content whether it's like podcasting or youtube videos you always find the most like uh closed off room in the studio or happens. wherever you are no windows you know no like audio great yeah you need it for the audio <laughs> Yep, yep. And that's one benefit of now being uh, uh, separated from each other is we're all in our mm -hmm. own little uh, mm -hmm. dungeons and we can fart it up if and we want. And press the mute button. It's helpful. Yeah. 
I have had to, in Zoom calls, press the mute button when I'm about to sneeze really bad, but people can always see me like duck my head off camera. And <laughs> it's it's never good. Um, uh, I, there was a time in, uh, there was a time in, in college, we were shooting like a sketch where uh, my buddy Tito had to get a uh, fake hit by a car. He was like a political candidate who was trying to do some like campaigning in a neighborhood. And he tried to run across a busy street to talk to a voter. And then we like, we did some visual effect where it looked like a car was about to hit him. And then we did like, cut to two minutes later and we had him on the ground like all bloodied up like in the middle of our neighborhood street uh because when you're in florida you can just shoot wherever you want and no one cares but like yeah people saw this bloody guy laying in the ground with a bunch of people <laughs> around him with phones recording him so someone called the cops and in gainesville florida cops are everywhere i think cops outnumber civilians <laughs> in gainesville because they always uh it was like a game I've day weekend florida yeah. man stories i feel like yeah. they need some extra help they there. definitely yeah. do need the help especially if it's a game day weekend in Gainesville Florida you know the population increases by like a hundred thousand and they're all there to get drunk and beat each other up so cops aren't necessarily needed but this cop was like what and then drove by and uh so the cop pulled up and he's like is he okay and then all I said was like oh it's it's for a um it's for a short film we're doing and immediately the cop was like all right cool bye and drove off <laughs> so we did out. have to like stop all of our production for a second be like oh we have to explain to this police policeman <laughs> uh, what in, is going in LA, on we have like the one yes. producer that's on set that's supposed to just distract the cop long enough for us to get our shot before and then having to shut everything down it's crazy how production works it really is just like having pas having producers having assistant directors who are just there just to stall the world mm -hmm. for like you know 20 minutes just so we can get a shot because like permits yeah if you're a professional film crew you get a permit uh but even then you have onlookers you have people who are honking yeah. their horns there are cops who don't understand what's going on and they're like what there's someone jumping off a building thing and you see if you can push it to do a little bit more right. while you're there yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of asking for forgiveness, not permission. Uh, but we didn't even have to. I just love that that cop did not care. He's just like, ah, it's fine. I think my Tito was like, eh. and the cop was like, I don't want to deal with these these stupid college students who aren't actually drunk or fighting. Some nerds who are rather on a game day pre gaming. They're really shooting a sketch. And it's like nerds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really was one of those. Um, but hey, we were grateful for that because like for a second, all of our hearts stopped. Like, oh god, we're gonna get arrested. Well, that is this week's show joven it was awesome having you on this episode of big question talking about super nice villains who were very super and probably still a little villainous but not that villainous yeah and, and let's be let's be very clear that when we're talking about villains sometimes you really have to stretch the theme to kind of find the good in them but yes. i think that also is what makes a good villain uh don't don't tweet me the hate mail if you yes. will i don't think that palpatine was right Yes. And, and again, this is a conversation that should not be applied to the real world. I don't want you playing devil's advocate for any yeah. actual <laughs> real world devils. Okay. <laughs> but it's okay to give people who are purple the benefit of the doubt sometimes. A reminder that you can join our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. You can get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions this week. We had some really great questions. Uh, and you could send us your big questions on Twitter using the hashtag big question. But again, you're, we're going to see it most clearly and quickly if you join our discord because we always check there first uh you can follow me at ea voss follow joven at the jovenshire there it is yep yeah yep. and follow new rock stars on socials and subscribe here on youtube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about see you next week everybody thanks joven bye guys